This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, India's parliament has passed the Citizenship Amendment Bill, the CAB. This bill amends the 1955 Citizenship Act to make eligible for Indian citizenship illegal Hindu, Sikh, Buddhist, Jain, Parsi and Christian migrants from Pakistan, Bangladesh and Afghanistan. In effect, then it makes citizenship for migrants contingent on their religion. And if a, if a migrant is Muslim under this bill, they are not eligible. They do not figure in this list. That leaves potentially a lot of people vulnerable, people already living in India, and not just Muslims, but indigenous tribes in Assam, for example. Now, not surprisingly, there are serious law and order concerns. In the Northeast, for example, several places have had an internet blackout. The city of Guwahati in Assam, the capital of the state, was placed on an overnight curfew on the night parliament passed the bill. So we are joined today by Dr. Aparna Pandey here in DC and my colleague Nirmala Ganapati in New Delhi. Dr. Pandey is research fellow and director at, of Hudson Institute's initiative on the future of India and South Asia. And Nirmala is India Bureau Chief of the Straits Times. Can you both hear me? Hi. Hi, Nirmala. Hi. Thank you. Okay, great. Good to have you. Thank you for uh, making time for this. Nirmala, could we start with you on the ground there, uh, the morning after, so to speak. Now, Home Minister Amit Shah in the upper house at Rajya Sabha said minorities should not be apprehensive, they will receive protection. Opposition leader Sonia Gandhi called it a dark day and a victory for narrow-minded uh, and bigoted forces against India's pluralism. And there is widespread apprehension. Could you tell us a bit about the public mood there? Um, yes, there is a lot of apprehension, uh, particularly among the Muslim community, uh, where they feel that this uh, amendment bill is another way of marginalizing uh, the minority. Um, uh, Muslim MP uh, Asaduddin Owaisi in parliament even said it was a conspiracy to make Muslims stateless. And, and this sentiment uh, is felt within the community. Um, you know, a day after the bill was passed, uh, people are talking about civil disobedience. Uh, we have a senior Muslim police officer, uh, Abdul Rahman, who has resigned. He says it's his civil disobedience. And he's, he says that uh, the, uh, the bill goes against the religious pluralism of India. And this is a sentiment uh, felt widely uh, among Muslim community and also members of the Hindu community who feel that this uh, bill, which is uh, for the first time kind of bring, brings in religion into uh, India's immigration policy, uh, is uh, it does go against the secular constitution of the country. Um, uh, we even had a social activist, Harsh Mandar, who said that he's going to convert from Hindu to Muslim as a sign of civil disobedience. So there are very strong sentiments uh, on this bill and those who support it are also pretty uh, uh, happy with it. Um, in a sense, there's a lot of uh, polarization that's taken place. People who support the BJP are happy with this bill. People who do not support the BJP uh, are not. So um, I think this uh, polarization is only going to deepen in the coming weeks. And you've seen protests in the Northeast. Um, Northeast is another story. In the Northeast, they feel um, that uh, this will lead to an influx of Hindu uh, immigrants from Bangladesh. Um, mm. In Assam, for instance, there's always been this strong sentiment uh, that, you know, the state's cultural identity uh, is challenged by illegal immigrants from Bangladesh. So how many people will the bill actually affect? Do we have any sort of sense of uh, proportion numbers? 
Um, so it's very difficult to kind of give numbers because the government doesn't have an estimate on the number of illegal immigrants. Uh, in the past, we've heard figures, you know, ranging from 12 million to 18 million. Um, so, so which is why this immigration bill is coming in with the National Register of Citizens, uh, which uh, the government has implemented in Assam, where 1.9 million people were rendered stateless. So the government has said that they will now, uh, uh, you know, uh, do this for the entire country to figure out um, India's illegal immigrant problem. So as of now, we really don't know how many people are going to be affected by this. I see. Dr. Pandey, maybe we can get to you. Uh, now, this bill would appear to fundamentally change the idea of India, or at least the idea of India that has existed in the liberal imagination. I mean, India at independence was imagined as a secular liberal democracy. It's in the constitution. And now we have this. Could you tell us a little bit about the historic tensions in, 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 in the idea of India? Uh, thank you, Nirmal. It's a pleasure to be part of Asian Insider. Actually, these debates about what is citizenship, how to define who is an Indian, goes back to partition. Um, during the Constituent Assembly of India debates in 1946-47, there were many who believed that, um, that India's citizenship should be tied to religion and that if Pakistan is an Islamic country, then India should be a Hindu state, and there should be a provision in the Indian constitution with states that any uh, person who is a Hindu or a, Mus or a Sikh and is not the citizen of any other state should be allowed and should be given Indian citizenship. Um, at that time, uh, India's Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru Deputy uh, Prime Minister and Home Minister Sadar Patel actually argued against this. Uh, Patel actually said that citizenship should be based on birth uh -huh. and it should not be based on, on descent. Um, so these debates about, you know, whether it should be based on birth, should be based on descent, on ethnicity or religion, go back seven decades. Um, India had moved forward. It is sad to see that we seem to be moving backward and going back to uh, the debates of the partition era. So, okay, so the international community has, of course, been quite critical. Even Bangladesh, which is, of course, an immediate neighbor, neighbor, said this will weaken India's historic secularism. And we can get to Bangladesh a bit later in the discussion. But tell us, how do you see this affecting India's image globally? So India's image globally has been affected by a few things in the last few months. Uh, one is Kashmir and what is happening inside Kashmir. People believe that that uh, does not reflect well on India's democratic plural identity. Second, the National Register of Citizens. Um, and not just sort of trying to separate legal from illegals, but uh, sort of something which is viewed as being um, targeted primarily towards Muslims. Third, uh, the lynching and attacks against minorities, primarily Muslims, but even um, some of the lower castes, Hindus, uh, over the issue of cow, uh, protection of cows. And finally, mm -hmm. uh, the Citizenship Amendment Bill. I mean, there are people who believe, I mean, for example, in the United States or European Union, that India is a partner because of India is a democracy, India is pluralist, India is secular. And for those reasons, India is the counter to China. Uh -huh. um, they want India to reaffirm all those principles. Um, I mean, the European Union's ambassador to India just recently said in an interview that India and Europe share certain ideals, core values, and we would like India to, to reiterate them and to stay with those values. Um, the U.S. Congress has said that. 
um, that India and the U.S. shares core values. And to oh. many people, it looks like India is moving away from those values. Nirmala, what's this reaction in India to this criticism from abroad and internally from Indian intellectuals, for example? Uh, yeah, so, so the government has uh, uh, clearly defended its move. Um, it says that uh, this is a bill that seeks to help persecuted minorities from these three countries and that it should be taken in that spirit. Uh, it has rejected uh, criticism that it is targeted at the Muslim community. Uh, the government says that uh, it is not targeted at Indian Muslim citizens. Uh, but unfortunately, not too many people are buying this uh, arguments because uh, even in parliament during the debate, there were a lot of questions on if India wanted to help religious minorities, then why not the Rohingyas in Myanmar and why not the Ahmadiyyas in Pakistan who are also facing religious persecution? So I think um, the government is going to have a tough task, uh, apart from the law and order situation in Assam, uh, defending its position. And I think um, they will also have to look at how this impacts India's uh, international image. Uh, uh, you know, like what happened uh, with Kashmir and a series of other things that have happened have really hit India's uh, global image. So, so I think that is going to be a challenge for Prime Minister Narendra Modi. And since you mentioned Assam, let's get back to Assam and uh, the related uh, issue of Bangladesh as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about Assam? Now, there's obviously a lot of concern because there are literally hundreds of indigenous peoples in Assam and they are, they are of neither of these, none of these religions, actually. They have their own religions. And uh, so what, what is the sentiment out there? It seems to be a, quite a volatile situation. Um, yes, it is a volatile situation. Um, there was, you know, the government uh, anticipating uh, protests had kind of said that uh, certain areas in Northeast would be exempt from this bill. Uh, but that hasn't really uh, assuaged concerns. Uh, mm -hmm. People in Assam, anyway, have this feeling that illegal immigration has uh, threatened their cultural identity and uh, that that sentiment hasn't changed. Uh, they don't want illegal immigrants from any religion settling down in Assam. And this has been a core uh, issue in Assam for many years. Uh, so it remains to be seen how the government manages to, uh, you know, bring the situation under control. As of now, I mean, the protests have just been getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we have uh, buses being burned, uh, protesters clashing with security forces. The government has even called in the army to, uh, you know, control the situation. Um, so it remains to be seen how the government reaches out to these uh, protesters. Um, but yes, there is a sentiment that this uh, bill uh, goes against uh, the cultural ethos of Assam. Mm -hmm. Dr. Pandey, could I bring you in for a, a last quick take on, on the unique position of Bangladesh? Obviously, these are three neighbors of India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, you know, in a manner of speaking, and, and Bangladesh. But Bangladesh is in a particularly unique position because of this migration back, you know, across the border. Could you tell us a little bit about how this might affect the relationship between India and Bangladesh, who have to, after all, cooperate a lot on, on issues like security? Yeah, um, sort of. So in his interview, the Bangladeshi foreign minister said that, you know, India, Bangladesh are going through a golden period of and a golden relationship and that India should be careful that whatever it does does not hurt that. And it is important, one, because Bangladesh has in the last two decades really helped India vis-a-vis uh, -vis fighting insurgency in the Northeast. Uh, most of the insurgent camps have been shut down and Bangladesh has actually handed over many of the insurgents to, to India. 
Number two, uh, Bangladesh, um, in, this con- in the global context of China and the Belt and Road Initiative, Bangladesh is the, is the second country after Pakistan get, gets the largest amount of assistance from China. But pa- Bangladesh keeps Indian interests in mind. Um, India should not do anything which jeopardizes that part and sort of makes Bangladesh turn more towards China. And finally, um, Bangladesh is important also for India's uh, sort of uh, connectivity with with Southeast Asia, uh, because all the highways and all the routes that India is is trying to build uh, will go through Bangladesh to some extent onwards to Southeast Asia. So India should be careful and India should bear in mind something which the Indian uh, leaders at independence understood, that the world is watching us uh, that the world moves forward uh, sort of based on a more liberal, open, um, ideal or view of, of nationality. And that is what India should also uh, bear in mind. Dr. Pandey, uh, quickly, just in the last 30 seconds, could you tell us something about U.S.-India relations? Now, obviously, there's a bit of a, there's a strategic relationship which has been building up. But the, relation, the relationship has not been particularly smooth over the decades, but as of now, it's, it's looking closer. Will this be a problem or do you think the relationship will continue because of geostrategic considerations uh, sort of unaffected by this? Um, Sort of two points. One, at one level, most countries do not base their relationship with other countries, as you know well, um, on sort of on ideals only. National interests, security interests, geopolitics matters. So nobody is sort of, uh, nobody will give up relations with China only because of what's happening to the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. However, um, India's international image the reason why most countries around the world look at India, the reason why the United States um, and India have this deep foundation is because for almost seven decades, there's been a belief in the United States that India is the country of Gandhi and Nehru, that India is the country which is democratic, plural and secular. Um, and that irrespective of the, the party or the ideology in power, India and the U.S. will continue to share those values and ideals. Uh-huh. Um, and I believe that um, we should make an effort to sort of to retain those values and ideals because um, at some stage we may have a problem in the U.S.-India relationship if it is only geopolitical and only strategic and no, lang- no longer value-based. China and Pakistan are examples. Uh, China and the U.S. were close, uh, but only because the U.S. felt that it should break China away from Soviet Union. Pakistan uh-huh. um, and U.S. were close, uh, but only because Pakistan was viewed as a frontline ally. India has always been viewed from a different lens, uh, a lens which says values plus strategy. Uh, and so we sh- I believe we should not lose one just for the other. Okay, Dr. Pandey and Nirmala, thank you very much for your time for this program. It's been great having you on board. Truly a momentous year in India. We had the decision on Kashmir, the revocation of Article 370, which is a which was a huge deal and changed the status quo in Kashmir. And now we have a change in the status quo in terms of who is considered an, an Indian, really, who is eligible for Indian citizenship. We will have to watch this very closely as India goes through this new phase under the second Narendra Modi government. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh.